You are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to day 109, 109 and 110. There you I'm go. I'm going to say and because I'm saying 109 and, and. and 110. Welcome we- to Fed by Ravens. All yes. right. All right. Let's just get into the I Old know. Testament. I didn't say the, uh, we're, we're continuing the tradition of the oh, oral, yeah. the oral tradition. So mm-hmm. always remember, we're talking through things. This um, We think we're right as of today about most of our interpretations. <laughs> but uh, we're, the most important part is to engage the story in a real in a real way. And that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And we're inviting you in on that. So and tune in next year when we can tell you how wrong we were today. Right. And we can uh, continue to rely <laughs> on the grace of God to forgive us for the ways we've led people astray. But that's the thing that anchors us really throughout this is that we are taking the word of God through our lens and through our, um, our culture and our language and we're doing the best we can. But at the, the, the end of every day, it is centered around God and what he's revealing to us. And um, so in that way, it's pretty easy. Cool. He loves us and he wants to be with us. We're nearing the end of Deuteronomy 30. I mean, the book of Deuteronomy. Sorry. I always say what I'm trying to let you say. Kill me. All right. What book are we in, Matt? Thank you. Just play the music, funny man. (laughs) Today's Old Testament reading is Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 11 through chapter 32. Mm. Wow. You put some extra soul in that. Because if you're listening to day 109 and 110, you are in it to win it. Yeah. You made it to Deuteronomy 30. So let's give the large swaths of ideas today. Mm. Let's not get lost in the weeds, Matt. Okay. Okay. But immediately I have to get lost a little bit because uh, at the end of <laughs> 30, of 30, I mean... Yeah. So it's coming off of the whole like setting up the blessings and the curses and it's like... Look, this is what I'm setting before you. You either have life or you have death. Yeah. What do you want? Blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying the voice and holding fast to him. For he is your life and length of days that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. And he says here, like, it's not too hard for you. Mm-hmm. Moses says it's not too hard just love the Lord and you'll be blessed choose life and then um, I call the earth to be a witness I was thinking about that like I'm, I'm saying this in front of the earth to witness against you today that I've set before you life and death mm-hmm. it's funny it's like do you hear this trees do you hear this grass I'm saying it in front of you that these are the people who are been blessed by God so it's like calling the earth to witness and testify to the truth that you're chosen by God. But also, if you act like you're not chosen by God, the earth will witness and turn against you. Right, which I think is a big idea within the scripture, because you have that in the garden, is the earth, Mm -hmm. when man rebels against God, the earth rebels against man. And then, as they're entering into this land... God constantly says the land is vomiting the Canaanites out because of their disobedience. So the earth is now witnessing and testifying to these things, this agreement, this covenant between you and God, that if you do not follow it, the land will turn against you. And 
And so then, speaking of the land, mm-hmm. it's time for Moses. He can't go into the promised land because he broke faith with God. And so he's setting up Joshua because God sets up the successor before death uh, can touch the next guy, yeah. right? So, yeah. um, so then Moses is giving his authority and setting up that Joshua is going to be the guy. And this is where you first hear this phrase, do not fear, be strong and courageous. Mm-hmm. So this is uh, the message that Moses is teaching Joshua and I think even in this chapter, you'll see it like three times before we're done, at least three times. Mm-hmm. And then you'll see it again in the book of Joshua over and over again. Be strong and courageous and trust the Lord. Do not fear. God will always keep his promises. So he's um, handing, handing over the reins to Joshua. Yes. And so then Moses wrote the law and gave it to the priest. And so this is where we get the idea that Moses wrote the Pentateuch. Mm-hmm. In the end of our middle of chapter thirty-one, where he writes it, he puts it. He says, "Put it next to the um, the ark, so that we know where the word of God is. Like the word of God is what He's revealed to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't know the secret things, but if you want to be cursed or blessed, you need to know the word of God, and you'll be able to at least decide mm-hmm. for yourself and say, "Well, I'd like to be blessed." And so he sets up this thing where he says, uh, "At." The seventh year, when you have your festival of booths, you're going to gather everyone together and you're going to read this law to everyone. Mm -hmm. And you're going to read it over the land and you're going to read it over the people. And it's going to be, again, a reminder of who you are and what is in front of you. And so that you can continue to choose life or choose death. And and what I... um... What I connected here yes. was that the end of every seven years, this time, so the men were, are supposed to go up to the place that God has appointed for Once a this. year, yeah. In the new land, because this is all like talking, about the, year, talking yeah. about the future, right? So when you get in the land. Mm-hmm. So this is the planning stage of all this. you got to realize as you're reading it, they're saying when we get into the land, here's how we're going to act. Yeah. The men will go up three times a year for the Feast of Passover, the Feast of mm-hmm. uh, Pentecost, and the Feast of Booths. Um, three times a year. But on the seventh year, women, children, everybody leave and go yeah. up for yes. this. Yes. And I realize it's because uh, when they go into land, they're, they are supposed to be taking that year off mm-hmm. from work. So everyone's free to go up. And then I connected. So I was thinking, oh, cool. They all go up and they hear the law, uh, the first five books of the, the Old Testament. And... Moses is saying it's very important you do this for your children. You, you catechize, you teach your mm-hmm. children the word of God. Tell them the stories, teach them, keep them in front of them all. Because if you want to love the Lord your God with all your heart, you got to know him. You got to know his word. Mm-hmm. But then I connected, oh, this is uh, the, the year that you're supposed to let the land rest. Yes. So people take every seventh day off and center around the word of God. Mm-hmm. Land is much more difficult. You can't just stop the growth and the work of the land and for every week uh, in terms of it's, it's how it's operating scientifically. You right, know? right. And so, uh, but you can, when you give it a whole year, that actually allows the nutrients to restore and to rest. And so every seven years, you read the law to the earth mm-hmm. together because the earth, you want to bless the earth and give it a time of rest you speak the word of God over it, and then it produces, and it will bless you. Mm-hmm. So you're the people who gather around God's word every seven days on an earth that gathers around God's word every seven years. 
I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I love that connection. But the word is central to people and to the earth. Yes. Like what you announce over the earth matters. Mm -hmm. So if you're announcing curses and you're announcing pollution and you're like, I'm going to use this earth for my own advantage, however I'm going to abuse it, the earth will eventually be, uh, will turn against you. Yeah. All right. And then uh, we have God telling Moses... All right, the days for your death are approaching. Um, Chapter 32 is a long Go one. and take Joshua in front of the tabernacle, and God actually appears before Joshua and Moses. I know, we haven't seen the, that in a while. In the pillar of the cloud, and basically ordains Joshua as the yeah. leader uh, before the assembly. And then, uh, and then he says, you're about to die. Mm-hmm. And after you die, these people will rise up. They will begin to, yeah, whore whore themselves after other gods. What a, what a great bit of prophecy! Yeah, this is from God. You, they will whore themselves. Yeah, and I will forsake them. I will hide my face from them, and they will be devoured. Yeah, he says when. So, like the beauty is because it's future. When we enter the land, mm-hmm. when you enter the land, great. Then it's when they get fat and forget and turn to other gods. Yes. Oh. When evil and trouble overwhelm you. Oh. Yeah. Teach them this song. Yeah. So then he's like, you're going <laughs> to so, write this song. So here's you're going to put it in yeah. their mouths. And it's going to be a testament against them. Yeah. Forever. Like this, will, this song will continue. And so even in the time of the rebellion, their children will know this song and will be singing it as they are rebelling and the times of wickedness are coming upon them. So it, it, it's a song, you know, we all remember songs. The people of Israel and God are people who sing songs. And mm-hmm. That's how you pass on the story. And so it starts off really great. Like, give ear, O heavens. Like, if we made a song now, yeah. like, give ear, O heavens, and I will speak and let the earth hear the words of my mouth. That's oh, beautiful, right? Yeah. And it's like, all right. Like gentle rain and tender grass, like showers upon the herb, I will proclaim the name of our Lord. Then it starts to, um, well, well, pretty much. Verse 4. Yeah, verse 4. Or no, uh, no, 5, sorry. They have dealt corruptly. Okay, so the song starts to go, they have dealt corruptly with him. They are no longer his children because they are blemished. They are a crooked and twisted generation. <laughs> Do you thus repay the Lord, you foolish and senseless people? Is not he your father who created you, who made you and established you? And it goes on, right? And that's still even gentle. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because then it like recalls like, oh, in verse 10, he found, he found uh, his people, his allotted heritage in the desert, mm-hmm. the howling waste of wilderness. He encircled him, cared for him, kept him as the apple of his eye. I love that. Oh, and protected them like a mother eagle yeah. spreading its wings. It goes on. But, and there's a big but here in 15, but Jeshurun, which is another name for, for Israel, Jacob, grew fat and kicked. You grew fat, stout, and sleek. Then he forsake God who made him and scoffed up the rock of his salvation. And then this stirred him to jealousy with strange gods, with abominations they provoked him to anger. And this is where it goes into, like, <laughs> literally in chapter in verse 17. You sacrificed to demons that were no gods, to gods that were never known. To this is where gods. the hardcore rap... Yeah. 
sacrifice to demons. What were you thinking? And it goes on. I mean, I don't know. We don't have the tune, but it gets really serious. You forgot the God who gave you birth. And so then um, the Lord, in the song, it goes through the Lord saying, I'm going to have to turn away from you. I'm going to have to, actually, I'm going to punish you because I love you too much. I'm not just going to forget about you and let you mm-hmm. slowly die off and be tortured. I'm going to discipline you. I'm going to discipline you. I'm going to use these ideas of suffering to turn you back to even the idea of crying out to me for help because um, I long to help you and to save you. I'm warning you and I, I want to make provisions. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know what else to say. And I will say... What else can we say? It's an amazing song because uh, it ends with rejoice, O heavens, bow down to him, all gods, for he avenges the blood of his children and takes vengeance on his adversaries. He repays those who hate him and cleanses his people's land. Yeah. So what we take from all this is God will vindicate his people. He'll vanquish the enemy for his name's sake, and he'll have compassion on those who can come back to him. Mm-hmm. Now, for me personally, I read this and it makes me go, oh, God, forgive me for breaking faith. Like Moses, then he's, Moses is reminded, he gets to see the land. Yep. And God's like, you broke faith, so you don't get to go in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just makes me go, wow, Moses doesn't get to go in. I know that there's a rebellious um, condition. My heart is just in the condition of being rebellious against God. So I'm. I, it just makes me while reading this over the last couple of days, go, God, forgive me. Have mercy on me. Thank you for the faith that you've given me. Um, continue to give me a new heart that I might love you with it. And then recognizing I don't love the Lord with all my strength and with all my heart and all my time. And mm-hmm. like I like I would hope that I do and that like I would want to. So God, have mercy. Uh, Lord, have mercy. And he does. Thank God. But that's the position I'm seeing that even the song is saying, be in a constant position of repentance mm. because otherwise you grow fat and you start to confuse and think that you secured your borders, you secured the produce, you secured the safety from your enemies, you secured children, you secured the... And it's like, uh-oh. And when you start going there, you're an easy target for the enemy. Uh, you're already turning away from uh, the God who loves you. Hmm. Yeah. All right. It's a song of prophecy and witness against them. I, I don't know. I just think it's so funny. We would never make a song for our children like this. <laughs> yeah, at best, you'd be like, Daddy loves you. Good night. <laughs> Ricky Baker. Oh, Ricky Baker. Once rejected, now accepted. You know, and, yeah. and yeah. not like. If you waste the inheritance, this house will be a scourge to you. Make sure you change the oil, too. You never did that when I was alive. Make your bed, don't be a slob. I'm still scared you won't marry the right person. You know, I mean, we don't sing songs like that, but maybe we should. (laughs) I think it's legit. Um, But be encouraged. All right. (laughs) Woo! All right. Our New Testament reading for today is Luke chapter 19, verse 11 through chapter 20, verse 26. The kingdom is near. The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom is near. 
how near? When are you going to take the throne and kill all the Romans, Jesus? Right? Mm. Yes. That's the question, right? Yes. And Jesus has to say, okay, let me give you a parable of the ten minus. Yeah, so this is an interesting, it's like a kind of a, another telling or retake of the the talents, the I parable know. of the talents. It's a different, it's a different, a uh, little different Yeah, and so again, angle. The, the idea though is like Jesus taught a lot and he probably used similar stories but reworked them for the audience. Right. And so the setup for this is he's going to Jerusalem and everyone is expecting the kingdom of God to appear immediately, which means, again, they're thinking politically. Yeah. Like, we read this and go, wait, so they spiritually, like, expected God to... Re-? No, they expected Jesus to cl- declare himself as the rightful king of Israel. It's funny, though. We, do, we like to think of ourselves as the people who wouldn't have missed it. Mm-hmm. And we would have said, like, oh, he's already healed people. Obviously, he's King Jesus. Love him. But... That doesn't even prove true in our lives today. When Jesus provides for us, it heals us. We don't live in a constant state of, oh, Jesus is Mm -hmm. king. So we still want him to prove it over and over again. How do you prove it? By having political power and vanquishing everybody else. And so they really are expecting that, and rightfully so, based on the Old Testament. Like, this is how it's been expressed. Passover's coming up. He's going to Jerusalem. He's said he's the son of God. He's like made these claims and he's that's a political, food. that's a political thing. So they're like, Oh man, he's about to go to Jerusalem and he's just going to set up shop and we're going to, the will all revolts and we're ready to take right. back our land from the Romans. Sweet. Let's do it. And so, so then Jesus drops this sweet little parable, but they don't even realize that the, the people of God who are chosen to serve them, are the enemy. Yeah. Like they don't even realize yeah. that it's the priests yeah. and the Sadducees who are in power that yeah. are actually the real enemies. Mm-hmm. And Rome is just kind of like a pawn. Like mm-hmm. what's Rome? Rome has no power in this actually. Rome is like the disciplinary agent of right. God. They're just like the sword that the leadership uses. Mm-hmm. So that's what this parable says, I think. Because he goes, so the, the guy, uh, the king sends servants, and he equips them with uh, three months' wages, so a minus, right? Mm-hmm, a, th- mm-hmm. a ten minus is like, that's what, the note I read was three months' worth of wages. Now go into the conquered city and invest the money and slowly, because um, this is going to be my kingdom. But they hated the king. Yeah, so... Right? That said that they didn't like the king who gave them this, and so it's like they didn't want to serve. So I'm thinking it's the, um, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the chief priests have been given some responsibility. They've been given mm-hmm. the word of God to invest properly and to set up the kingdom so that when the king comes, he'll receive his investment and then set up shop. Yes. And two of the three do it, but apparently it's reluctantly because they. It, there's this weird line where it's like, um, he says, engage in business until I come, but his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. Yeah, so he's, I think he, I mean, he's obviously talking about Jerusalem. He's obviously talking about Israel, right. where God had set up, like, here's the, here are the things I want you to maintain. I want you to maintain the story. I want you to be looking for the Messiah. 
He's going to come and rule over you. And he sends, so he makes himself known. He, and you have people within the city that are going, no, we don't want, we don't want that guy to rule over us. We don't want Jesus to rule over us. Uh, so like get, <laughs> like get rid of him. We want to get rid of him. And so, but Jesus is like, God is like working the land still. He has people in there that are working for mm-hmm. him and engaging in business and, and, uh, preparing his coming. Well, he does say at the end. So like the one, the two actually invest and they mm-hmm. bring back, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. The one servant mm-hmm. uh, hides everything, doesn't doesn't invest at all. Right. And Jesus says, uh, take from him what he has, what he has, and give it to those who have. Mm-hmm. But then he says, um, I tell you that everyone who who has will, more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. But as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. <laughs> So, I mean, this is like the, what kings do, mm-hmm. and, and it's a conquered, it's a newly conquered, acquired kingdom, and if they're not going to, if they're still going to hate this guy, they'll just be eliminated. So there is, to me, the idea is um, the word of God has been given. Mm-hmm. This guy didn't invest the word of God, and so it was taken from him. Yeah. And more word, more was given to the guys who invested it. Yeah. I don't know, by the end of, at the end of this... Uh, there's so many cultural things to overcome, but I just, I just think we, as Christians, need to be investing in the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. So God's given you some faith. Invest that faith in some others. Yeah. Figure it out. Figure out how to uh, multiply that faith, even if it's like one person in your life, in the course of your life, where you pass that faith on. Mm-hmm. Do it. Yeah. Because otherwise you get scared. I'm like, oh, maybe I haven't done that. But I think everyone listening, you're blessing somebody, you're praying for somebody, pass that faith on. Mm-hmm. And the master will give you more. And yeah, that's what happens. That, that's and good. if you, don't, like have, if you yeah. don't have faith and you aren't able to pass, or you don't want to pass it on, you just want to get things from God mm-hmm. for yourself, well, he'll take it away. Mm-hmm. Because it's, not, it's for mm-hmm. building his kingdom. Right. And he expects a return on it because he's empowered it to do that. Mm-hmm. So... Well, and, and then it moves into Luke then goes from that story to the triumphal entry. Yes. Which we probably don't need to spend too much time on. It's the third time we've <clears> talked <throat> about it. But it's big because Jesus receives praise. He receives, um, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. What do they say in this one? Um, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Mm-hmm. He receives it. He doesn't say, no, you guys, I'm just a prophet. No, I'm just a guy. He says, he waves his hand and says, that's right. Yeah, and in this one, he actually, the Pharisees say, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Right, because you can't say this. (laughs) You can't say this. It's Passover, Pilate's in town. What are we doing? And Jesus says, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. There's a connection to the earth again. The earth would cry out, I am the son of God. Yeah. I am the king. Because, mm-hmm. they, yeah, they say, blessed is the king. Mm-hmm. Um, but also he's saying, I am divine. Yeah. And, uh, and so he enters in. And so Luke now is setting apart the last week of his earthly ministry. Yes. So triumphal entry goes in. And the first thing that uh, happens is... Uh, 
Jesus weeps. Yeah. He weeps over the city. So he has his people who um, are going to be the, the new temple of God, right? And they're saying, blessed is the king. They're recognizing him. That's giving him joy. But he comes in and he recognizes the city has just missed it. Mm-hmm. That Jerusalem, instead of being a place, what does he say? He goes, you haven't known the day of your visitation. Right. So God has sent prophets to this city. He sent his priests and his prophets, and now he's sending his son to the city. But the city rejects God's visitation. Yeah, they kill him. They kill him every time. And uh, in this one, he very clearly says, like, they're going to be barricaded and sieged and destroyed. Like, he tells of the destruction of Jerusalem. Yeah. Like, it's very clear. He sees it. He does. Um, So, Christ comes in with love for his people, with love for his city, but he's weeping over it. And I was thinking he weeps over Lazarus because death... Is, is not right. Mm-hmm. And then he weeps over Jerusalem because this was supposed to be a beacon of light to the world. And it's, instead, it's become um, a place of hiding and snuffing out the light. It's of the become world. an obstacle. Yeah. There's no eyes or heart. And, the, and then he's upset because he goes into the temple, which is supposed to be a place of justice and mercy and truth, this house. And it's been turned into a den of robbers. Mm-hmm. And so then he's, um, so he's, Receiving worship, he's then weeping over Jerusalem, his city, and now he's upset because his dad's house has been turned into something completely gross. It is interesting to see the emotional roller coaster here. Yeah. Like the full range of Jesus' humanity and his emotions. Yeah. Like are being displayed. Like the joy of coming in and in victory and peace, and then the sorrow of they don't get it, and then the anger of you are ruining this place. You know what? It also, I never thought, I never connected this, but he's truly the son of God. So like he was with God at the creation of these people. Mm-hmm. And I mean like calling them out and like mm-hmm. Jesus knows. And so um, to receive, to hear them acknowledging him is an emotional, like yeah. they're getting it. This is great. But I know that they don't fully get it yet. And then to go into Jerusalem, a city that God appointed and said, this is, and to weep over, like he, he truly is the son of God. And then the house, he takes it personally because this is my father's house. Yes. Um, then, of course, the Yes, the so he cleans, he cleans the temple, which yeah. again is like kind of a, a daring move, a bold move on his part. Right. And so now the leadership, they're trying to figure out like, how do we get this guy? Like the people are around him. Like we can't just, we got to turn the crowd against him. And so the I love they walk in and they're like, "Who do you think you are?" Right. <laughs> it's like, what's the big idea here, buddy? What authority do you have to come in as king to weep over the city and act like you're somebody, and then to actually mess with our commerce and mess with the temple? Yeah. Are and you then, kidding and me? And now you're preaching and teaching in here. Yeah. You've come in here and you're you've taken over the services. Yeah. And so uh, they then try to set him up and, and trick him. And, and then he, I mean, it's amazing how uh, Jesus is just clued in <laughs> to humanity. And he just knows, the, you know, when you know yes. the answers, you don't need to go off and prepare and figure it out. He just knows the answers. So yeah. like they're trying to get him to, um, to say something that would allow 
for them to judge him. Yeah. Right? And so then he says something that allows for the people to judge them. Yes. So they go, no, we're not going to say anything because this is a trick. Yes. And he's like, right. And so neither am I. And they're like, oh, he's good. <laughs> he is good. And then he follows it up with a parable to like well, even stick it to him. Yeah. This is the parable <laughs> of all parables for the, um, the leadership, the religious leadership. Mm-hmm. Because it, I mean, it's about as close as just the truth yes. as you can get. So there's a, uh, a man planted a vineyard. He hires people to work it, tenants, you know. And then uh, when the time came, he sent a servant to the tenants to collect the harvest. Mm-hmm. They decide to beat him up and send him away empty-handed. So he sends another one. And again, this is the whole, the day of visitation. Right? Yes. So the prophets have come. They beat him up and they treated him um, shamefully and they sent him away empty-handed. The third time, they wounded and cast it out. This one, they also wounded and cast it out. Then the owner said, you know what? I'll send my beloved son because surely they'll understand this is my vineyard and I gave you the work. Right. And so give me like, come on, what are you guys doing? Mm-hmm. So instead of them going, oh, it's his son. Let's be cool. They say, oh, if we kill him, their mm-hmm. logic is if we kill the son, we can get the inheritance, mm-hmm. and, which is the logic of the religious leadership because they're still thinking that they can keep what is actually God's. His right. power, his reign, his rule, his city, his people, his um, salvation. It's like so, as if they have something to do with it. What's interesting in this account is I feel like there's a moment that the people, the, his audience, is finally hearing him. Right. And finally hearing the parables yes. and finally identifying themselves as the, like, the people in the parables. Because he says... What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy those tenants and give the vineyard to others. And so I think there's a moment where the people hear this. But they say, surely not. Because they hear this because they recognize like, oh, he's talking about us. And so they're like, oh no. And 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 they hear God, he's saying God will come, he will destroy them and give the land to someone else. And that's the last thing they want. It's already kind of happening. Yeah, and so they're like, no, that can't happen. And then it says he looked directly at them and said, what then is this that is written? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces, and when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. What does that mean, man? <laughs> that, that, that's like a really famous and reoccurring verse. The stone that the builder rejected has become the cornerstone. Mm-hmm. So, so that's a Psalm 118 reference. And he's basically saying, you, you guys have rejected me. I'm the son of God. I am the stone that you are casting aside. But the cornerstone for like a, in an architectural yeah. thing is the, is the piece that holds the whole structure it's together. It's the foundation, right? It's the found, yeah, it's the one stone that holds the whole thing. You can take that stone away, the whole thing crumbles. And he's like, you guys rejected me, but God's making me the cornerstone of all of this. And if anyone falls on this stone, trips, falls on it, or if this, if, or if I fall on anyone, you're crushed, you're destroyed. So anyone who rejected me is going to be destroyed by me. Yeah. And they're like, oh no. Well, and the stone the builders rejected, like God created you. He told you that there'd be mm-hmm. a prophet like Moses. Mm-hmm. He's told you all that. Here's the stone, and now you've rejected it. You've rejected his prophets, and you're rejecting yes. Jesus Christ. And so now, um, 
the stone the builders rejected has actually become the cornerstone and you're going to be crushed by it mm-hmm. or it's going to, you're not going to be a part of this anymore. Right. That's a bummer. And so this is where <laughs> now everyone knows like... Well, the next section, yeah, it says, the scribes and the chief priests sought to lay hands on him for they perceived that he had told this parable against them. <laughs> but they feared the people. Right. It's like, wait a second. Is he talking about us? Yeah, they yeah. know he's talking about yeah, them. it's absolutely... Um, so then they try to set him up and send plants, like mm-hmm. people who are going to pretend to be sincere. Like foliage? No. Oh. Like, uh, yeah, you know, whatever. Um, and so then they try to trick him. They think they have him by asking this, uh, is it lawful for us to give tribute to Caesar or mm-hmm. not? And they couldn't even answer. His answer is so brilliant. And I'm thinking it's such a legal and theological brilliance Mm -hmm. where he just says, show me a coin whose face is on it. Give to Caesar what's Caesar's and then give to God. uh, What's where's God's face? Who bears God's image? I mean, we all believe that we are creating the image of God, right? This is Jerusalem. After all, (laughs) we are God's people. Are we not God's people? Well, yes, of course. Then you bear the image of God. Give yourself to God and get it straight. Like, Get straight the authority of God and the authority of man, and there's times and places to obey both, but you need to get their priorities straight. Mm-hmm. And they were just like, okay, you're too smart for us. Mm-hmm. They bah, back bah, off. Bah, bah. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Proper relationship between authorities, earthly authorities and God. It just makes me again go, God, forgive my divided allegiance when I start to fear the people in power or control. I fear uh, what man can do instead of trust in what God can and promises to do for his kids. So today we're going to read Psalm 48. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God. His holy mountain, beautiful in elevation, is the joy of all the earth. Mount Zion in the far north, the city of the great king. Within her citadels, God has made himself known as a fortress. For behold, the kings assembled. They came on together, and as soon as they saw it, they were astounded. They were in panic. They took to flight. Trembling took hold of them there, anguish as of a woman in labor. By the east wind, you shattered the ships of Tarshish. As we have heard, so we have seen, in the city of the Lord of hosts, in the city of our God, which God will establish forever. We have thought on your steadfast love, O God, in the midst of your temple. As your name, O God, so your praise reaches to the end of the earth. Your right hand is filled with righteousness. Let Mount Zion be glad, but the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgments. Walk about Zion, go around her, number her towers, consider well her ramparts. Go through her citadels, that you may tell the next generation that this is God, our God forever and ever. He will guide us forever. Boom. You've just been fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord. We'll talk to you next time.